Hey everyone, this is Chris Vaught, and I'd like to welcome you all to the Pursuit Podcast, where our passion is to inspire and equip you with biblical truths as you pursue after the heart of God. message notes right now. And uh, there at home, you can download them off our media outlets. I'm finishing up our series today. We are seven weeks into this series. We call it In the Shadows. Everybody say that with me just so I know you've, you remember at least something out of the series. In the Shadows. And uh, what we've done is we've went back to the tabernacle. It's so interesting that 3,400 years ago, God had Moses to build a tent out in the desert for his people to come and worship with God. Now, this tent traveled with them wherever they went as they were leaving bondage in Egypt and on their way to the promised land. And as they were traveling, God gave them this tabernacle. Now, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5 says, the reason God gave them this tabernacle is it was a shadow on earth of what is in heaven. And it is a pattern. There are at least two great truths I want you to understand. The reason we have took seven weeks to study the tabernacle is it shows you a pattern God designed of how to come to God and how to grow deeper in that relationship. Let's look one final time. Let's take a walk through the tabernacle. Notice the image here. There is one gate and the reason for that is, is Jesus is our gateway. He's the only way to a relationship with God. You must come through the gate, Jesus. The first stop inside the tabernacle is the brazen altar. And it's there that John would later announce at the River Jordan that Jesus is our lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And so there I want you to think of Jesus is our sacrifice. Then you go to the water laver. The, the basin where the priest would have washed multiple times a day. And it's after you have received Jesus, your sacrifice, you need to know that Jesus is your sanctifier. He's the one that you go to daily, even as a believer, that you receive cleansing. That daily through his word and through his spirit, he cleanses you. This is how you begin the process of growing and discipleship and maturity in the Lord. You allow him to wash you daily then you go into the tented building, the holy place. The first stop there to your right would have been the table of showbread or the bread of presence. And there you would have been reminded that God has been with you. He is with you. He shall be with you. And you would think of this. Jesus is the one who sustains us. And you would know that Jesus is the one who sustains you. You would understand that he's the one who's cleansed you. You would understand he's the one who has saved you. Because right across the room, shining its light onto the table for you to remember was the golden lampstand. And Jesus is the light. He is the one who illuminates your spiritual sight. You would not even know spiritual truth if the Holy Spirit didn't open your understanding. How many can thank God for when he's opened up your eyes to see him? Then you had gone to the table of incense, the prayer of incense where you can pray to God and now you can pray in the name of your high priest, the name of Jesus who intercedes for you and now it has authority when you pray because that same Jesus split the veil open at the cross 
And now you can go into the inner chamber, the holiest of holies, and there you would see one piece of furniture that's actually two pieces together. The lid, the top, was called the mercy seat where the high priest would drip the blood seven times and pronounce you clean. And that's where God said, I will meet with you at the mercy seat and I will talk with you. I pray that you understand the power of that significance because the high priest could only meet and talk with God face to face, uh, personally one day a year. But because Jesus, your high priest, paid your sin debt and tore the veil open, you don't have to wait for one day a year to have a relationship with God. You can know God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You got clear access into the presence of God. Is this all right? Now today we come to the last piece there in the tabernacle. Uh, we come to the chest, to the ark, and often it was called the ark of the covenant. Everybody just say that with me, the ark of the covenant. Why? Because when the priest would come into that holy of holies, the high priest, when he'd come in there, he would see the ark there in the room, and it would always remind him that God has made a covenant with his people. It would also serve as an ark of testimony. Everybody say ark of testimony. And the reason it was called an ark of testimony is because not only did it remind them that God had a covenant with them, but it also reminded them that God has testified of himself. So that in those moments when that priest walked into that holy of holies and perhaps he was struggling, perhaps his faith was weak, perhaps the nation was in turmoil, he would see the ark not only be reminded of the covenant, but he'd also be able to remember that inside God had three items placed inside there to always testify of himself for the people. And so God had this chest, this ark. And by the way, there on your message notes, just write this down. What does ark mean? You know, you hear the ark of the covenant, the ark of the testimony. The word ark just means box or chest. So God had this box made so that it could be a, a, a resemblance of his testimony or they could hold his testimony for others to see. And this is so powerful because when that priest walked in, let's say that priest was in the, in the middle of, of a time of struggle. And how many of you ever came to church in a time of struggle? How many of you tuned in this morning in a time of struggle? And you needed to remind yourself about the character of your God. The half-brother of Jesus, Jude 1.20, writes this. The half-brother of Jesus, his name was Jude, and he's got a book in the New Testament. Jude 1.20 says this, Beloved, Build yourself up in your holy faith. Let's say that verse out loud together. Ready? Beloved, build yourself up in your holy faith. Now look at the person on the other side of you. Let's quote it one more time. I'm going to quote it to you watching at home. Ready? Beloved, build yourself up in your holy faith. Here's the question. How do you build yourself up when your faith is weak? How do you build yourself up when you're struggling? How do you build yourself up? You go back and remind yourself of the testimonies that you know about your God. 
And so God had a te- an ark placed inside that tabernacle. And when that priest would walk in there, he was reminded that God had made a covenant with them. How many of you need to be reminded sometimes that God made a covenant with you through Jesus? And you would be reminded that no matter what they're going through, God has a testimony about his character. And you could stir yourself up. I want to tell you, this is very needed in the world we're living in right now. When you're living through a worldwide pandemic that just doesn't seem like it's going to go away anytime soon, you've got a lot of mornings. You've got to wake up and stir yourself up in your faith. Those of you who live by watching the news, I hope and pray you're building yourself up in your faith more than you're watching that news or you're going to be down in the gutter all day long. Come on. You got to build yourself up during stressful seasons of life. There have been 13 hurricanes already this year and they're saying there are more already forming out in the ocean. You got to build yourself up. There are earthquakes, tsunamis, and wildfires happening all over our globe. You've got to build yourself up. We live in a nation right now that is as divided as it has been in years. We've got to build ourselves up in our faith and remind ourselves of the testimonies of our God. And God has given us enough, has he not? That if we just stop for a moment, we could have a good time just saying, my God has done this, my God has shown this, my God can do this. Amen? Is there any wonder why the CDC, which, by the way, how many find it ironic that CDC is now a household name, household word, right? Everybody knows CDC, right? Five-year-olds know the CDC. They came out a, uh, uh, here recently with a survey, and I want you to hear this survey and why it's so important that you come to church or you watch online and you build yourself up in your faith. They stated one out of every three adults show significant signs of anxiety right now. One out of three adults. Look at the person on each side of you and shout, you may be in there. Amen. Look at the person behind you or in front of you and shout, by looking at you today, you there already? No, I'm joking. One out of every three show signs of significant anxiety and stress. Listen to this. It gets worse. 41% of 18 to 29-year-olds. You know that young adult generation that everybody thinks is so strong and resilient? I want to tell you, they are being affected today by the craziness in our world. And you older adults who are older in the faith need to reach down and be mentors and follow the pattern that Paul taught and that we are to reach down and to take these others along with us and let them know I've been where you are and God has got me through and you need to testify a little bit about Jesus because 41% of 18 to 29-year-olds show significant signs of anxiety. And 25.5% of those 18 to 29-year-olds, 25.5% have already contemplated suicide. The stressors aren't going away anytime soon, folks. How are we going to overcome? you got to build yourself up in your faith. Somebody shout, God, stir me up today. 
Hey, let's just have some fun. Let's get some stirring going. Come on, everybody here in the church, everybody at home. People walk in here and say, these crazy people. Go ahead. Say, we stirring ourselves up today. Why? Because sometimes you've got to remind yourself about who you serve and that God is there. Amen? So let's look at this ark. And let me share with you that God has given us testimonies of himself. And here's the first one. I'm going to go quickly through the first couple and then spend more time on the last two. Here they are. First of all, the ark testifies about Christ. I need you to know that every piece of the pattern is all about Jesus. How many know that your testimony at the end of the day is always, always, always about Jesus? If it's about anything other than Jesus, you missed it somewhere along the road. Go back and relook at your testimony. Say amen. Because it's always tied back to Jesus. In fact, this whole ark is a picture of Jesus. Look at Exodus chapter 25, verse 10. There on your message notes. Read with me now. The, you shall make an ark of acacia wood. Somebody shout acacia wood. Circle that on your message notes. You are to make it two cubits and a half shall be its length, and a cubit and a half its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. If you want to know what that is in feet and inches, four feet by two and a half. All right, here we go. You shall overlay it with pure gold. Somebody shout pure gold. Circle that. And inside of it you shall overlay it, and you shall make a molding. Somebody shout a molding. Circle that word of gold around it. Look at verse 12. You shall cast four rings of gold. Shout four rings. And you shall put it on four feet. Two rings on one side and two rings on the other side. And look at verse 16. Here's where he references the pieces they were put inside of it. And you shall put into the ark of the testimony that I shall give unto you. And I'll get to those in a moment. You say, Pastor, how does all this picture Christ? Well, remember, in the Old Testament, wood is a symbol of humanity. Gold is a symbol of deity. God over-enveloped wood. God enveloped manhood. Jesus is God in the flesh. Fully God, fully man, all at the same time. The gold rim around the top was also called a crown. So on the top of the chest, you have the golden crown because who is Jesus? The God-man. He is King of kings, and he is Lord of lords. There are four rings on this ark, the four corners, east, north, uh, me, north, south, east, and west. Why is that important? Four is the number of earth in numerology. Because this God-man, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, is ruler and king over the four corners of the earth. Somebody shout with me this morning. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. It's always about Jesus. Amen? He's the testimony. It's always about Jesus. And in fact, God said, it's so much about Jesus, and I want you to see this, that I'm even going to pick who builds the ark. His name, Bezalel. Bezalel is written about in Exodus chapter 31, verse 2 through 5, where God says, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him. Notice this. 
God said, I filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs to work in gold, silver, and bronze, cutting stones for setting and in carving wood for every work of craft. Some of you in this room and watching online are extremely gifted with your hands and you thought you were just born that way. I'm here to tell you, you were gifted that way, anointed that way, designed that way by Almighty God. Whatever your talent is, I want you to go home today and look in the mirror and say, I'm talented that way. My brain works that way. I can do those things, not because I'm just naturally that way, but I have been ordained that way. God created you unique and special. And he did this man, Bezalel. You say, Pastor, why in the world do we need to know? Why did God take up time in the Bible to tell us about Bezalel, who built the ark? Here's why. Here's what his name means. You ready for this? The name Bezalel means in the shadow of God. In the shadow of God. God wants you to see the picture. He wants you to see the shadows and the testimonies. And he says, I'm even going to pick the man who's going to testify about me. Here's number two on your message notes. I want you to see this. The ark testifies of God's presence on your life's journey. Somebody shout presence. So here's what I need you to understand about the tabernacle. When God built the tabernacle, there's a reason why it's built out of sticks and linen garments. There's a reason that every piece of furniture could be carried either by wooden stakes, a post, or, some, or on a cart. It's because everything in the tabernacle, including the ark of the testimony, was meant to be portable. God never asked the Jewish people to build one spot and for people to come there one spot once a week uh, forever to meet with God. God wants to go with you wherever you go. You don't compartmentalize God. You don't say, God, God gets Sunday and the devil can have Monday and Saturday night. Come on, somebody. And you squeeze God in the middle. God never intended for that. He never intended to be compartmentalized. He was to travel with them. In fact, here's what we read about in Jewish history. Whenever they would travel through the wilderness on their way to the promised land, the ark went in front of the tribes of Israel. It wasn't the ark following them. Can I tell you where we get ourselves in a big mess? Is when we set the direction of our journey and we say, God, come keep up. Come on, Jesus. Jesus, bless my mess. Come on. All you ever have is a mess. Amen. Y'all going to get quiet on me? That's dangerous. Yeah. I get real if you get quiet. Talk to me now. What do you do? You don't ask God to follow you. Being a believer is to... Let Jesus be in the charge. Let him take the lead and follow him because how many know he will keep you out of a lot of mud puddles in your life. He'll keep you out of a lot of messes if we can let him take the lead. And when they went into battle, the ark was the first piece that went in front of the army. God wants to be the one who leads the way. God wants to go in front of you. It's his presence that goes with you. In fact, look at Numbers chapter 10, verse 35 there on your message notes. 
And here's what Moses would say whenever the ark went out in front of the people of Israel. Moses would say, Arise, O Lord. Let your enemies be scattered and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it rested, when they stopped and camped, return, O Lord, to the 10,000 thousands of Israel. I mean, no, God wants to go in front of you and prepare the way. And when you stop, God wants to come in and inhabit your presence and bless you right where you are. Amen? How many say this morning, God, I'm ready for a blessing right now? How many would say, come on, Jesus, right here where I am. Lead me, guide me, and reside with me. That's what the ark represents. That's what God wants to do. Amen? How many of you realize that God was working in the shadows not only to bring you to faith in Jesus, but working in the shadows even to bring you to be a part of this spiritual family right here at Connection Point Church? He was at work getting you into this campus this morning. For those of you watching online, God is the one who began to stir your heart and to lead you to even turn on this service today. God is at work in the shadows and he's moving because he has a plan and he has a purpose. And in those moments when you're stressed and anxiety ridden, you have to go back and remind yourself about Jesus and his presence in your life. And then you've got to remind yourself of this third truth that the art testifies to us about God's protection. You see, they would go before them into battle, and God would literally, uh, he would start setting the stage for their victory before them. But here's something I want you to notice. I want you to go back to how the chest was made, how the ark was made. Do you remember what it was made out of? Acacia wood. And it's very important that you understand, why in the world does the Bible just not say, why doesn't it just say, it was made out of wood. Why does it tell us what type of wood it is? How many know there's nothing in the Bible just there? God had the words divinely inspired and the details that he wanted you to know, he made sure got written down. And one of the keys that God wants you to know is acacia wood. Because the acacia wood is one of the most amazing trees that I've ever studied. The acacia tree protects itself with four different methods of protection. This is a picture of security. This ark is almost like a safe. That whoever's in that ark is safe and secure. How and why? Look at a picture of the acacia tree. Here's, so you can get an image of it. Here's what a, an acacia tree looks like. And here's how the acacia tree protects itself. The first adaptation that protects itself is that an acacia tree, whenever a herbivore, say a giraffe, a herbivore comes up and begins to eat uh, the leaves of the tree, the tree immediately releases a toxin into its leaf called tannin. So the moment that the tree, now I don't understand how this works, all I see is intelligent design of a creator. Don't tell me this just happened by chance. But when something begins to eat the leaves of the tree, the tree recognizes I'm being eaten. And it begins to release a toxin called tannin in the leaves that makes its leaves inedible. 
So after the animal gets a good mouthful, he can enjoy one mouthful. But when he comes back for the second mouthful, he's going to spit it out on the ground because it's poisonous. Here's the second incredible security gift inside the acacia tree is the moment that it begins to release the toxin tannin, it releases a second toxin, a pheromone, into the air called ethylene. And when it releases ethylene, it can travel up to 50 yards away. And what it does is it warns all the other acacia trees in the area that herbivores are in the area. And the other trees, before the herbivore ever arrives, immediately begins releasing tannin in their leaves so that if one tree starts getting eaten on, it makes sure no other trees get eaten on. Then there's a third aspect of security in the acacia tree. And the third aspect is at the end of its limbs, it grows thorns. And at the end of the thorns, it grows a single hollow bulb. And inside the hollow bulb reside stinging ants. And the stinging ants eat the sap from the tree And in return, whenever the herbivore begins to chomp down on the leaves and they bite into one of those bulbs, the stinging ants then comes out and stings inside the mouth of the herbivore. Come on, somebody. You can't make this stuff up. Then the fourth sign of security in the acacia tree is its fire resistance. I thought somebody would get Baptocostal when I got to this one. Because if you're putting two and two together and realizing what's going on here, when you're inside the chest, when you have got the Holy Spirit of God moving on the inside of you, what happens? Listen to me. God protects you. The acacia tree is a symbol of God's protection, not only through the tannin and the ethylene and the stinging ants, but you can burn an acacia tree all the way down to the ground. But because of its root system, it's so deep it always springs back a new tree right there in the same spot. It's fire resistant. You say, Pastor, why is that important? Because, listen, where does the toxin come from? It comes from inside the tree wood. Are you ready? Watch this. What's the chest made out of? Wood overlaid with divinity to go, right? We know it's a picture of Jesus. Can I also tell you it's also because when you become a Christian, you become adopted, you become a joint heir with Jesus. So the same emblem, all now all of a sudden you get grafted into, you get adopted into Because what happens to you, humanity, when you become a Christian, when you truly surrender your life to Christ, who moves inside of you? You become the temple of the Holy Spirit of God and now the Spirit of God moves inside of you and you become the temple. Now you've got deity enveloping humanity and when you face the predators in your life, when you're in spiritual warfare, whether it is on the outside or in the spirit, whenever you're struggling with anxiety and fear or you're battling in a battle, where do you get your help? Where does your help come from? Why do you need to stir yourself up? Because it's the Holy Spirit inside you who comes out and encourages you and gives you the victory in the midst of the battle. 
Is anybody with me today? Are y'all, are y'all getting this? Because listen to me. Listen to this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Here's what Paul said. If you desire to live godly, you shall be persecuted. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Peter. Here's what Peter wrote. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Here's why you need to be sober-minded. That's what I'm trying to help you do today. I'm trying to help you think clearly about this. Be sober-minded, be diligent, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. And some of you in this auditorium and some of you watching online, you have heard the lion roar all week. And you've questioned, where's God? How am I going to get through this? What's going to happen next? What will 2021 look like? How are we going to get through the holidays? And I'm here to help you be sober-minded today and realize this. Everything you need for victory, if you're a follower of Jesus, God has already put on the inside of you because you've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And what I need you to do today is I need you to stir yourself up and remind yourself of the character and the quality of your God and allow the Holy Spirit of God to rise up inside you and build up your holy faith in the Lord and keep fighting, my friend. Keep trudging through. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Don't you doubt. Let God be God in your heart and your life. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6. Put on the whole armor of God. Stir yourself up. Put on the shield of faith. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Get your feet shod in the gospel of peace and you are the one who's put, who put the armor on. Amen? Galatians 5 says if we, walk in the, if we live in the spirit, let's walk in the spirit. In Romans 8.11, I love this verse. Man, I don't know if this will do any good to anybody, but it's done good to me all week. If the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, how many of you believe Jesus got up out of that grave? If the same spirit that rose Jesus out from the grave lives inside of you, he will quicken your mortal body. You say, Pastor, I don't have a clue what word quicken means. Well, that's how I memorized the verse, all right? Here's what it means. He will make you come to life. It'll Stir life up inside you. Somebody shout, the Holy Spirit does that. Amen? Watch this testimony. Amen. How many know that if God fights for you, greater is he that's in you than he that's of the world? Amen. Now let me give you this fourth one. The art testifies of God's provision. So what I hope you leave here with today is remember this. In the middle of your struggles and your battles, that your testimony is Jesus. And Jesus with you will go with you into every battle 
in every path of life if you will follow his lead. And he will protect you. He has given you the ability to fight your trial, your battles. He has given you the power you need. It may not be easy. He won't do the work for you. He will give you the strength to reach down inside yourself and grab your faith and get through it. Say, yes, he will. And I want you to see that Jesus will always provide what you need, guys. He will always provide what you need. He is already providing what you need. So inside that ark, according to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse uh, 4, says there were three items that God told Moses to put inside of the ark. There was a bowl of manna. Manna was heaven's bread, little white wafers that came down from heaven and just filled the ground in the mornings for the children of Israel to eat. Now, here's a couple of things I need you to understand about manna. One, manna was only given uh, when the children of Israel could not provide for themselves. When they could provide for themselves, God didn't send the manna because God gives you the ability to do things on your own. But once you get to a line where you are, you've done all you can do, when you've done all you can do, you put your faith to work and you stir yourself up and you believe that in the moment when I can't do anything else, my God can send manna from heaven. Secondly, the manna was only given enough to get through one day at a time. Amen? Except for on Friday, they get two days worth so that they didn't collect on the Sabbath. But God is only going to give you what you need in the moment. He's going to provide for you. And this is what I want you to write down about manna. He will sustain you and provide for you as you need. Now, I know a lot of times we pray and ask God to send us manna long before we need manna. And then we question, where is God? Why didn't God answer my prayer? It's because you still got some things you can do for yourself. And he's given you the power and the ability. God gives manna. He provides for us. And here's what you need to know. In those moments when you've done all you can do, look up. Where your help comes from, your help comes from the Lord. Say amen. Then there was Aaron's rod inside the ark. Now, Aaron's rod wouldn't have been as long as mine because it's only four feet long. But here's what's interesting. Numbers chapter 17 says that the people of Israel began to rebel against uh, Aaron being their high priest. And so God said, I'll tell you who my high priest is. I'll prove him to you. I want you to go have the 12 leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel bring their staff and place them in the tabernacle, and they did. And he said, the next morning, whosoever staff buds out, that's the one I've chosen. So the next morning when they went inside the tabernacle, Aaron's rod budded with almond blossoms. Now, how many of you remember where we studied almond blossoms before? It's in the design of the menorah the lampstand inside the tabernacle. What does almond blossoms mean? The awakening one. It's the first tree to waken up out of winter sleep. What is a picture of here? Write this down. It's a picture of the resurrection because a stick, a staff is a dead stick, but the next day it had come back to life and had blossomed an almond blossom. And God said, by the resurrection, I will show you who I've appointed as my high priest. Does anybody see Jesus in this? 
Because how can you have faith today that Jesus is the true Savior and the answer? The resurrection of Jesus is all the proof you need. Amen? Amen? I don't follow Jesus because the book tells me so. I follow Jesus because no one can argue with his resurrection. And that lets me believe in the book. Say amen. Because Jesus came out of that grave. And can I tell you this? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, when you give your heart to Christ, you were dead and you're made alive. For by grace you've been saved. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if you're in Christ, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And when you're struggling and you need to remember, will God provide for me? Remember, God will always provide the bread from heaven because Jesus said he's the bread of heaven. But can I also tell you that sometimes all you need to do is get up in the morning, look in the mirror, and remember the difference Jesus has already made in your life. Your changed life is a testimony of the presence of Almighty God. And you say, look where God has, I may not be where I want to be, but thank God, look at where he has brought me. Can I hear somebody say amen? Amen. And then there's this third element, that is the Ten Commandments, those tablets. Why did God have those placed there? Because that's God's word. And I want you to write this down. Through his word, he gives us instruction on the way to live. Amen? Now watch this. What did God do when he had them build a chest? He said, I want something that testifies about me wherever you are on life's journey. I want you to know about my son. And I want you to know that I'm present with you. I want to go before you, even into battle. I'll give you what you need on the inside of you to protect you. And I'll provide for you. I'll change your life. And I'll guide you with my word. I mean, thank God today for the testimony of our great God, what he's given you in his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? I want you to watch this little video. Amen. Can we give God a praise for all these incredible testimonies today? And let me just say this. All of these testimonies are on our website at yourcpc.church slash storyboards. And in fact, all this next coming year, we're going to continue interviewing multiple folks in our congregation and getting your testimonies on video and uploading them to the storyboards on our website because people get on our website looking for answers and looking for hope and need inspiration. And we want a place on our website where people can go to 
and hear your story and your testimony about God. So if you'd like to share your story, you send an email to the media team and, and set up a time to meet with someone because we'd love to hear your story. People need to hear your story. And today I'm praying that in these few moments that I've taken just to unveil the ark to you, you've heard a little of God's story to you. And throughout this whole series, here has been my ultimate desire, my prayer for you, is that when you go back and you study this tabernacle 3,400 years ago, and I, I've heard the comments, like, why are we studying that? What, what is that for me? But I pray you understand exactly today what this is for you. That God has laid out a pattern for you to know how to come to him and to grow in him. And there's so many hidden shadow truths that I pray you walk out of here today going, man, I'm so glad God is so involved in my life that he will have us do things that I don't even realize he's doing until after the fact. Just like Moses, he didn't have a clue why God had him building a tent. He's like, God, you really need a tent? Why I need to build a box? Oh, but how many know after it was built and they were going through struggles and troubles and trials and the enemy fighting them on every hand? How many know there were days they went to that tabernacle and they said, oh, thank God. We got a place to come. How many know there were days they walked up to that brazen altar and said, oh, thank God. There's blood atonement for my sin. How many know that old priest walked up to that water laver and said, oh, thank God. I'm not just saved, but he cleanses me because I get defiled ever so often. Come on, somebody. Oh, thank God. I needed to be reminded at the table today that he's been with me in the past, in the present, and the future. I need to know that he's still turning the light on and my prayers are being heard and the blood's been atoned and I can come and meet with God. Because here's what my prayer is that you capture. You ready? It's your big takeaway. That Christianity is more than a religion. This is all about a relationship between you and God. Everything God did was not to get you to go through some religious activity, but to get you to come into relationship. That's why every piece of the tabernacle was a shadow of something. God's trying to communicate himself to you. He's trying to testify to you. He wants a relationship. Secondly, Christianity is not just a discipline, but it's a devotion. Because let me tell you, you can go through all of the disciplines and leave your heart outside. You can come to church one day a week. You can read the Bible 15 minutes a day. You can pray 15 minutes a day. Pray three times a day, morning, noon, and night. You can carry a Bible you can come into church, stand during three songs, sit for 40 minutes to hear me shout and preach and holler, try to stay awake, sing one more song, go home, do it all again next week, 
You can be faithful. You can never miss a Sunday. And your heart never walk through the door. You can go through the motions. And God wants you to know that everything about Him matters. Everything about the relationship with Him matters. It's not just being disciplined. It's about being devoted. Thank you for joining us today for the Pursuit Podcast. For more content, to read our blog, watch past sermons, or find other great resources, check us out at chrisvaught.net, and then check us out on social media. Then tune in again next week, and we will open our Bibles and together pursue after the heart of God. Thank you again for joining us at The Pursuit.